Hey guys, it's Alan Donovan. I wanted to take a second and tell you about something that I've recently discovered. But first, I also wanted to tell you, for the last 20 years, I have been a heavy Copenhagen user. If you don't know what Copenhagen is, it's dim. You know, put it in a can, pop it in your lip, really nasty stuff. You know, and like most people that do this, I've wanted to quit. I've tried to quit several times and you know, I've never really been successful. I've never been able to kick the habit or the cravings that come with this. You know, people say that out of all the products, cigars, cigarettes, you know, pipes, all that stuff, as far as nicotine goes, chew is the hardest thing to quit. You know, and I've tried numerous times. I was never able to do it just because of the cravings and everything. But I recently found a really great product that I want to tell you guys about. It's called Flow Blend. Um, it's a nootropic, and it's got a lot of great things, and a lot of natural ingredients like CBD, herbs, and different things that go into these little pouches that are about yay big. It's like a pouch for spitless tobacco, but it's not tobacco. You put it in your lip, you get all the great flavor, plus you get all the healthy benefits, something that you don't get with dip. But I'm proud to say as of today, it's been 24 days since I've had a dip. I have none of the cravings, none of the wants, none of that stuff. It's a phenomenal product and I've partnered together with Flowblend to bring this to you guys to tell you about it because I know for a fact that there's a lot of you fathers out there that use Copenhagen. If you wanna quit, I highly suggest you check this out. In fact, like I just said, I've partnered with them we have a discount code that we can provide you if you want to try it out. So click the link in my bio. That'll take you to a landing page. You look for where it says Flow Blend. That will take you to the official Flow Blend website. All right, guys, check it out and please let me know what you think. All right, guys, I am Alan Donovan signing off. following is not legal advice coming from an attorney. Nothing more than a father speaking from his own experience. Should you need actual legal advice, contact an attorney. It's time for another episode of The Father's Truth. The show where real men band together, stand up for father's rights, and bring the father's truth out of the darkness, out of the darkness, and in to the light. Giving fathers a voice everywhere. A broadcast brought to you by the Father's Lives Matter Network. Here's your host, Alan Donovan. All right, guys, how is everybody doing tonight? I am Alan Donovan, and you are tuning in to another episode of The Father's Truth. So tonight, we've got an interesting um, interesting guest on. This is a new one um, that I have not heard of as of yet. We've got Brock England that's going to be coming on here momentarily. And his story, when I got it, when he sent me the video, I was kind of surprised because he was talking about his situation, how it... He's finally got up to 50-50 custody. And then he threw in that he's got to go back to court because his daughter's um, stepfather is being charged with molestation and then three counts of murder. That's a new one. I have not heard that one yet. But, you know, we'll just have to see how it all gets unpacked. So I see Brock just came in. So let's go ahead and... Uh, See if we can get him in here. Brock, brother, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm doing great. A really, really good day. Uh, 
been working on the fort I'm building for my daughter and my son in our backyard. We've got like a hill and there was some ivy from the people that lived here prior. So I had to, I got a post hole digger and just been out there doing my man thing, you know? So there you go. Did some work today. Nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. How about you? So, man? I, so I was listening to, you know, your message that you sent me yesterday for the advertisement for the show. And it, like I was saying here at the opening, man, I've never talked with somebody who's got a situation where the step parent is being charged with multiple counts. So that's just, that's kind of mind blowing, man. That's really crazy. It's, you know, we'll get to that, you know, once we walk through everything yeah. but off the bat, it, um, he's always been an abusive person. You know, I've called CPS prior, you know, there was signs we've always known he was a shit guy really mm -hmm. um but yeah it's a three so it was originally his two daughters he's got three children prior to his his first marriage and his two daughters were the ones that came forward after the mother was pregnant because of, with covid so she wanted some separation she was scared that you know with them going back and forth it was going to affect her you know affect her baby so she was like hey you know not that i agree with those terms fully mm -hmm. of keeping Away from him but it allowed them to feel safe to finally open up because they were under this control of the fear that he was putting in them because uh, he was essentially what happened was the molestation came up first and then after they talked to the prosecutor they expressed that he was holding a gun to their head afterwards to then be able to put fear in them jesus christ um yeah. and and once you know things were kind of they were going to therapy and uh, you know, just really in more conversation with more people, the son came forward and said, hey, he did it to me as well. So this guy's just an all-around piece of shit, it sounds like. Oh, uh, dude, it's... I'm glad that I am a spiritual man because I probably would be in prison right now, you know? No, I don't blame you. And have a don't. son, a daughter, and a soon-to-be wife that can kind of help keep me grounded and to look something but uh yeah i mean in, in situations like that it really does help to have that support network that can keep you grounded because like you said you know in this kind of situation i mean you've probably seen the post that i've been putting up the last couple of days about the father up in spokane washington whose young daughter was sold into sex trafficking by the boyfriend the father found out rescued the daughter and then tracked the boyfriend down and killed the boyfriend i mean that's some straight up hollywood shit right there so yeah, man, I'm glad to. I'm glad to hear you have that grounding. That's a good thing. Um, we don't need you in prison. But let's jump back to the very start of your story, so we can kind of put the pieces together to get to yep. that what we were just talking about. Yeah, absolutely. So it's man. It, I feel like I could write a movie at this time. So um, young and dumb, I was partying and was introduced to this girl. And uh, she had just gotten out of a five-year relationship with somebody that I went to church with as a kid and said that he was hitting her and was abusive. And um, for whatever reason, you know, I felt like that was a good thing to partner with still for my quality of judgment, I guess, as a 19-year-old. And we hooked up. And then, you know, a couple months later, she told me she was pregnant. And like okay taken back a little bit but i've always wanted to be a father so i'm like okay let's go get lunch let's figure this out and she just kind of immediately put walls up uh and then from that 
you know, moving forward, she's like, hey, I'll just let you know when my next doctor appointment is. And she was like, uh, she didn't want me to go. And then I got a random text message saying, hey, the doctor changed the due date. So there's no way you could be the father. <laughs> okay. 19-year-old, I'm kind of like, oh, shoot, you know, like, didn't get this girl back. Got the bullet right there, right? <laughs> my conscious in the back of my mind told me, like, this doesn't really feel right. Yeah. You know, it goes off here. But, you know, you're not going to be the crazy guy that stalks this chick that tells you, you know, hey, it's not your baby and you still want to be the dad after, you know, meeting her one time. So um, I was living in Indianapolis at the time and it was 2009, you know, when recession came, economy mm -hmm. was so had just really needed to get a new start. So my mother lived in Dallas. The economy was booming down there. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll move down there, you know, get my stuff in order. And, you know, I was going to join the Air Force. And uh, randomly got a message one day on Facebook. Uh, I was about three weeks out from enlisting. And it was a Facebook message from my daughter's mother telling me that the other guy that was originally abusive that she had gone back to was filing for full custody. And she knew that I was the father because the the daughter looked exactly like me and had a lot of similar facial features and asked me to take a DNA test. So I did. And I was the father. So what was your mindset at that particular point in time when you got that message? Because here you are, you're all set up to go into the air force and then Facebook, boom, you know, your life is thrown into disarray here all of a sudden. So what, what was your mindset at that point? I was broken. You know, I had I, all of those moments, I, you know, didn't see her born. I didn't, uh, I didn't understand, you know, the process of getting ready to be a father. It was like, bam, you're a dad now. And at that rate, it was, you know, I didn't want to tell my mom. I didn't want to tell anybody because I, I was ashamed. I, I had immense amounts of guilt, like I did something wrong. And it, it wasn't me. You know, I wasn't the yeah. person that made the decision. So, um you know, I eventually then told my mom and, you know, just wept in her arms and it, it was hell. It was the worst thing to ever go through. I would say, you know, even through everything that I'm going through right now, it was harder because it was, you know, my whole life got turned upside down. It was like, I, I thought this only happened in movies. Yeah. You know, so um aside from that though you know and all of those feelings it was ready to step up to the plate it was like hey how can i help how much do you spend a week on food diapers like what's going on and she immediately put the walls up again and was like i don't want anything from you and <clears throat> you know hindsight 2020 i wish i would have documented all of these things and written those down and at least sent her something just because but didn't um so, um, so from that basis, I found out, um, was trying to kind of be more responsible and figure what I was going to do from that moment because I knew Air Force was going to take me away. I was going to have no way to really be in the child's life. Um, so it's like, you know, I can't, Air Force is out, can't do that. So I had a buddy that was living in Colorado at the time and, uh, medical marijuana had just become legal and we had this opportunity to invest in a grow op and uh, as well as work for this property management company. I had done hardscape landscaping my whole life 
And they're like, hey, you know, we need somebody to be able to take head on our hardscape division, come out, do this. So it was like, a, it seemed like it was perfect alignment to be able to really get some good investments going, get some good capital, create a good relationship, and then, you know, just kind of shoot back to Indianapolis whenever uh, to be able to see her. And she then kind of put the, the brakes on that as well, didn't really want me coming around. So I dove in fully to Colorado and unfortunately investments went array and um it just felt right to just be in indianapolis full-time so i moved home and at this rate she was like two and a half okay well um, let, let me ask you this so she tells you that you're the dad okay and then you take the dna test and it comes back positive that you are your daughter's father yeah. you know you jump in trying to help and she puts the walls up was there any any kind of thing going on where she was actively allowing you to be a part of your daughter's life or was it just you know she's holding me at bay and that's that kind of holding me at bay i mean how do you how do you have a telephone conversation with a child that you really never had any roots with when they're two and a half yeah no that's true that's a good point um would say it was it, it was hard to ra really wrap my head around how to move forward you know where did i need to be in a, in a facet of being a father. And the most thing that made sense to me was making sure I had a foundational understanding of success to be able to supply funds for her. You know, like I knew she was going to grow up to where she wanted to play sports or she was eventually going to need a car or she was going to, you know, like thinking, you know, life as a father role isn't just about financials. Unfortunately, a lot of the system, that's what they believe fathers are is a bank account. Yeah, um, we are walking, talking ATMs. Yeah, I'm sure if you saw the the Halloween costume with like the mom and like, <laughs> yeah, the 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 dad with the mom and the couple of kids, and he's yeah. the ATM. You know, yeah. the look on his face was absolutely priceless. You yeah, know, but it's so true. I mean, that was probably one of the most apt costumes that I've actually seen in a long time. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, it, it feels a little too matrixy for me really with what's going on in the world even right now and you know you look at all the aspect of i think it's somewhere in washington or maybe new jersey there's a, a statue of as like outside of the family courts where a woman figure is holding a male's head yeah yeah it's uh oh gosh it's not uh dc i actually posted that about a year ago and yeah. uh yeah, that's it's on federal property. It's pretty unreal. And so I'm just when I saw that, I was like, "Holy shit!" And this is what's allowed. I was like, "Good lord, you got to be kidding me!" Absolutely, yeah. We do have rights to be involved as a father. However, they get to dictate if if that's fifty percent of the time. And co-parenting, you know, the aspect of what a co-parent means, um, it means mutual. <laughs> well, that's what it's supposed to mean, but we're finding, you know, more and more that it's not mutual. It's basically what the mother decides on any given day. And, you know, most of us that have been through the, the family court meat grinder have a real good understanding that it can be awesome one day. And then mm -hmm. that next day, the switch is flipped and it's total shit. And you don't get to see your kid for whatever reason, that 50-50 that you have goes out the door and, you know... Mm -hmm realistically the courts don't do anything to you know challenge that mother's attitude on that they just let her get away with whatever 
Oh, it, absolutely. It's somehow even in, I feel like in my court case or my first court case, I felt like she was able to get away with a lot of hearsay mm-hmm. uh, opinion. But then whenever I would say anything, it was like null and void. Like it wasn't even documented in the judge's notes pretty much. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, there are absolutely two different standards in the family court system that are at play here. There's the standard that the mothers are held to. And then there's the standard that the fathers are held to. And, you know, they are not similar at all. A father has to jump through so many hoops when you walk Mm -hmm. into the family court system where the mother, when she walks through those doors, she's automatically given all the rights. You know, Mm -hmm. she's looked at as the stable parent, you know, the premium choice, if it were, you know, to be the parent, whereas the father, he has to scratch and claw for everything. True, true. And I was going to ask a question because, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, as we kind of continue to follow mm-hmm. through things, I, I do have it written down to make sure I stay on track with my story. But if I'm going to represent myself, how am I able to then bring evidence forward without like asking myself questions? Do I have to bring in somebody to uh, question to then be able to have these dialogues or how does that work? Yeah, so that that's a good question and that's that is a difficult question because obviously if you're going to be representing yourself as your own legal counsel you have to be able to examine and cross-examine okay that's Mm -hmm. one of the things obviously you can examine your baby's mother and whoever else you deem but you can't you can't examine yourself so you kind of run into right kind of a weird, weird little thing. And when, when I went through it, because I represented myself, and when I went through it, obviously I could not question myself. So that part of it was just kind of left by the wayside. I think a lot of it is going to depend on the family court judge you get, you know, what state you are in, um, how exactly they work with that kind of thing. Because I know that there are some courts, they absolutely bulk at a father representing themselves. They just, they won't have it. They won't allow it. But then there's our, there are other courts like, you know, what I dealt with where, you know, the judge was like, okay, you know, basically if you fuck up, it's on you. You know, you can't then declare a mistrial because of something you screwed up. So it's kind of that back and forth. My advice would be to question the family court system where you're at and just say, hey, you know, I want to go pro se. You know, obviously, I cannot examine myself. You know, what's the process for that? You know, go to um, the the help. Uh, it should be like a help desk in your in your courthouse, a le- uh, help li- law library that's usually in the building that has people you can ask legal questions to. They might be able to help you. Um, so it just kind of depends. A lot of it depends on the court system. Yeah, I... Um gone back and forth you know there's a part of the story really the first time we went to court i feel like i got railroaded you know that's a terminology that i learned from david Strait. he talks a lot about law and he doesn't really get into much in family law he said it's essential family law is there really isn't a law they make up what they want and it's it is just ludicrous that this is reality and that this is what we have to just accept. Cause I've always fought it as a child, you know, asking my parents, well, why are these things the way they are? Well, that's just how it is. Like, why do we have to pay taxes? Like, why do we lose 40% of our income? 
And it's like, well, you know, you do that to be able to help society and do all these things. And it's like, there's no way something's we're missing something here. Right. And absolutely. It's, it's broken when you get down to the fundamental, fundamental aspects of it, because like you were just saying, you know, family court, they do tend to make up their own shit as they're going along. I mean, these judges have a hard and fast guideline that they are to judge every case by. And, you know, now it's what's in, what's in the best interest of the child. But I can't count the number of times I've talked to fathers and they've sent me their court papers so I can take a look at how it's happened, where the judge has just made their own opinion and judged the case based off of their own opinion, not judged it based off the law, as in who's better, but just what they thought. And, you know, that permeates family court from top to bottom and how they do things and how they approach things. There's very little that happens in family court that is actually law abiding. Right. Right. I would agree with that. So kind of coming back into the story a little bit, um, you know, when I I moved back, that was 2013. um, And then fast forward to December, she told me that I wasn't going to be able to see her on Christmas. And I'm like, why? That just makes no sense. And she said, because I've always had her Christmas birthdays, you'll never have those days. And I was just like letting my emotions go everywhere. I was livid. Like, you're, you're not going to tell me now that I'm like here and present. You're not going to let me have these moments. So that's when uh, I kind of threw out the, hey, I think we need to go do some mediation or go to the court to be able to have something in writing because you just keep changing everything, you know, and ripping the rug out from underneath me. And she didn't like that one bit. And she told me, okay, you'll be able to see her when the court system says so. Um, so at that rate, she she ended up moving because I, I tried to go see her because I just stopped texting her because I wasn't getting any response. And then she tried to later say, well, you never tried. And it's like, so, so I have to just keep texting a wall to be able to show you that I try. And then I go to see where you're at and you're no longer live there. Either that or they didn't answer the door. I don't know. Um, so at that rate, I kind of like saved up. Um, she kept her from me when was those dates were like till 2000, January, 2015. So almost a full year. I didn't get to see her. Um, no communication she then you know tried telling me like you didn't write her any letters you didn't do anything and it's like doing all that like so i had to be to this standard to make you think that i'm good enough but whatever i do to be able to try doesn't matter you know so it was just this very sick twisted you know she wanted to control it um so then at that rate you know things were kind of weird she stopped kind of started playing games um you know, I felt like a glorified babysitter in an essence, you know, she never really let me have full weekends. She'd let me get her on Friday night and she'd pick her up uh, Saturday by two o'clock. Hmm. So I finally was like, you know what, enough's enough. Uh, I'm going to file because I had had the money saved at that point from prior to, um, you know, until she finally reached out and was like, hey, sorry, you know, I've matured and she hadn't really. Um, I think it was because her husband, you know, the guy that's being charged with all these accounts, his children were being kept from him. So she was seeing what he was going through. So then she maybe had some empathy for the, de- the decisions and the situation she was creating. Um, so then at that rate, we went to court. I got a lawyer. She seemed like she was great. She was going to fight for me. We went to our first pretrial and she maybe said five words. She <laughs> didn't. I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I don't mean to laugh at your yeah. situation, but holy fuck, does that hit home? 
you know, for me personally, you know, mm -hmm. and for a lot of fathers that I've talked to that go out and get a lawyer and the lawyer does this amazing song and dance and yeah. tells you how they are going to fight for your rights. And, you know, they're going to make everything right and they're going to get you what you want and you get in court and they fucking don't do a thing. And then they kind of even, you know, David Strait even talks about how um, a turn, the word a turn in black law means to take power from one and give it to another. Mm -hmm. and, um, attorneys are essentially actors. You know, they, they tell you that, you know, these things, they make you buddy-buddy, they make you feel good. But then when it comes down to it, they don't really show up for you. They don't really go to war no. for you. Know, like they should and at that rate that's why i think i'm making this decision to be able to finally do it on my own because also from some some videos that i've watched is uh judicial systems you know courts aren't governmental like they're actually their own corporation yep. to where majority of the time these courts are owned by either previous judges or the judges that sit so they're getting commissions for the child support and all these things mm -hmm. that they then say, hey, I've got a percentage of this. They go to the lawyers and say, hey, if you do this in our favor, you know, and make sure you get a kickback. Oh, yeah. And I mean, there, there is a huge deep dive that you can go down when it comes to, you know, child support and all the various fees and everything that go along with family court and all the ridiculous kickbacks that come through family court via child support and judgments and all this other bullshit. It's mm -hmm. unreal. I mean, it is. I liken the family court system to the military industrial complex. I truly do with the amount of money it generates. I mean, Jesus, child support is a $50 billion a year industry, 50 billion. Yeah. Um, actual just judicial and its own is, is trillions. Uh, that's the majority of the income for our government comes from is the judicial system. Yeah. And, that then is backed by your social security because everybody had once you get that number you're then there's it was like you're owned in dollars that you're agreeing to you know at that point parents sign over um that then if you go into any of these situations within the judicial system that money from your social or your social you know all those these numbers that they say are like good and in essence are terrible yeah. uh and it just continues to pay this this system that makes zero sense. But not to get too, too sidetracked on that, um, you know, she, my lawyer then tried to tell me, you know, hey, you know, she just talks a lot, whatever. She's, you know, was she on cocaine or something? You know, tried to make me feel better. And um, it didn't, if it didn't sit well with me, you know, I feel like my, my soul was there, but my spirit was like red flag, red flag, like something's not right here. But you, when you're being told by everybody, hey, Brock, you're taking the right step, like you're getting your rights, you know, like this is a good first step. And I'm like, OK, cool. Right on. So then we get led through the ringer. And um, by 2018, you know, I get an email with the all of the it's like nine pages, 180 lines of, you know, all of the verbiage at the judge and how she's viewing it in her opinion and gave me state minimum guidelines um like almost ten thousand dollars in a rearage um and i was paying like over a hundred and like 15 a week in child support um 
And that was every Wednesday, every other weekend, starting at Friday at 6, go back to her mom at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Um, at this rate, they a lot of the reason they told me that I didn't get 50-50 was because I talked to my daughter about what was going on. And they told me that I couldn't do that. And I was like, you know what? I don't hide anything from my daughter. I'm honest. She's She's very capable of understanding what's going on. There are certain things that I don't tell her. But when she wants to know why she sees her mom more than she sees me, I'm going to tell her. You know, there's no reason I'm not going to share that information with her. Well, really what then happened within that basis of, you know, she finally, my daughter broke down and told me that her grandma, her mom's mom, told her that, hey, if you don't tell me if your dad's telling you anything or talking to you about this, 50-50 means you're not going to see us anymore. So they just manipulated her. And she, I mean, at that time, I think she was like six or seven and uh, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? How is – that's okay for them to get that out of her and say that to her, but me talking to my daughter about what's going on is not. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. I mean, it's 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 a double-sided thing. It's a two-tiered justice system. They can do or say whatever they want, but if you go down that same road, you get penalized. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just the way it is. And sadly – people are so accepting of it oh well you know that's it is what it is no it shouldn't be that way you know you should not be having to deal with this you know you should not be being told what you can and cannot say to your daughter oh yeah absolute bullshit um so then at that rate uh oh i ended up calling cps i think it was like sometime in 2019 give or take maybe 2018, I don't remember the dates, because she was like watching TV and I was going to go take a shower. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to go take a shower. Make sure you brush your teeth. She's like, okay. And, you know, I get out of the shower. I'm like making food. And I'm like, hey, did you go brush your teeth? And she just ignored me. And I was like, like, hey, Cal, like, you know, her name. I, oh, I probably shouldn't get into names. But it's like, hey, just go brush your teeth. And she's like, no, I don't want to. And I said, do I need to start spanking you like your mom and your stepdad do? And she like, she literally collapsed on the floor and then like crawled to me and crawled in my arms. She was like, please, no, I feel safe here. I don't want to feel scared at both, both houses. And at that point I was like, this is, this is not okay. Like, obviously if she's that terrified, you're not just disciplining your child. You are definitely taking it above yeah, and beyond. There's something else going on. And I've, I've never spanked her. Like I've till this day, you know, she'll be 11 in November and this in the 24th of this month and discipline has always just been a conversation. It's for, for a child to act out and them not be able to, you know, have these issues. I mean, that's, that's not even realistic. I mean, even as as parents and grownups, you know, we have traumas and things that happen to us and, you know, we have emotional breakdowns or whatever it is. And for us to expect these young humans that are understanding life to be perfect is fucking ridiculous. So yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, because they're not perfect, you know, nope. and when you put these lofty expectations on them, it, it makes things worse. So yeah, then they always, then they, you know, that brings in the guilt and the shame that they always have on their shoulders and then they carry into, you know, adulthood and all of these things. Um, so I remember pulling up cause I told her, I said, Hey, um, I'll show up at your mom's house cause CPS wouldn't do the interview at mine for some reason. Um, 
so I pull up to her house um, and sat there for 20 minutes prior to her getting there. And she pulls in and my daughter gets out of the, her mom's van and she looked like she had no spirit in her. Like she was blank and her eyes were puffy. And I knew at that moment her mom had manipulated her again. And she told the CPS that nothing was happening. And the reason why she then told me later that she did was because her mom told her if she told the truth that she would never see her mom again. And at that rate, you know, my daughter is a very loving person. She, she has, has a huge heart and she ate up every bit of it. And I mean, we've done the CPS thing now multiple times, um, even, you know, through this whole stepfather thing, because she was taking my daughter around him after he was first um, convicted or not convicted, but, you know, had the charges applied or whatever, you know, the preliminary of it. And she was still taking him over there and she was making him walk through snow to get in the back door. And then she would get interviewed by CPS and she said that she, her mom wasn't there. And her mom claims to be this very spiritual person, but yet she doesn't even let her um, do Halloween because she says it's demonic, but yet she tells her to lie on a regular basis. And I'm like, how are you going to act like you're this very spiritual person, but then you can't even allow your daughter to live truth? That's so double oxymoron, you know? So it, it feels like my daughter's so confused that I feel like, you know, I, I don't want to have this ego that like I understand the light and I'm this perfect spiritual person, but it's like, she's using this darkness, but acting like it's light, you know, it, it this is it's weird. She, you know, she even told the, um, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to spoil it. Um, but it's just, it's just very odd. So, um, I ended up then, um, confronting your mom saying hey i want more time you know like i i want more time with my daughter and she was like no i'm not doing that and i'm like okay so then you know i talked to callie and she's like dad i don't understand why i'm spending more time with my mom and not you and i said you know i've tried talking to her and then the next time i, I got her she got in the car and or she got in my truck and she was just like really quiet something was off and i'm like you know what's going on and she's like nothing and i'm like Hey, we really got to talk about this. Like I can tell something's bothering you. Like, what can I do to help? She said, I just don't know what to do. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And she said, I finally told my mom that I do want it to be 50 50. But when I told her that she told me that she didn't want to see me anymore because she doesn't want to, I don't want to see her. And I was just like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, so how did this happen? Like, she's like, well, she just walked in my room and she asked me if I wanted 50 50 and she said it was really hard for me to say it, but I eventually told her like, yeah, I do want to spend more time with my dad. And she then, she said she got really upset and she walked out of the room and, you know, she came back and said some hurtful things. And then, you know, her sister heard. And so her sister came in and, um, she started playing with her, I guess, to like make her feel better. And then her mom walked in and was like, why are you playing with her? She doesn't want to see us anymore. Don't you know, like, she doesn't want to, like, she doesn't love you. And, like, she said all this derogatory stuff to my daughter to where it brought her down so much that now when it's got, it gets brought up in conversation, she won't say that she wants 50-50 anymore because she doesn't want to go through that again. But then she comes to me and tells me that she does. So um, it just... 
it's one of these situations that you know I I I try not to get frustrated with my daughter because now she's playing these both sides that she has us both confused. And I said, look, if you really don't want 50-50, said Callie, I'm strong enough and I'm grown up. If you do not want this, like, I'll be okay. I just want you to be happy. Like, I just want what you want, you know, because that's what's important. You know, I want her to have the life that she desires, not this fake, you know, just this, this mask, you know, that's not what life is. So, you know, that was really hard. And, um, I ended up uh, confronting her mom, um, you know, again, and was like, hey, I said, you know, because at this point, it was June 2020 when I had my son. And I said, um, you know, one of the reasons why you originally didn't want to give me 50-50 was because, you know, our daughter has other siblings, you know, at your home, and I didn't have any other kids. But now that I have a son, I think it's right that I have half the time so she can have a relationship with her brother. Oh, Absolutely. And I think, you know, we need to talk about uh, an adjustment to support as well. You know, I have another child to take care of. And, you know, it just makes sense. She agreed at first. And then a day prior to when we were supposed to meet, she said, I don't understand why you want to meet anymore. Um, this makes no sense. You know, we just went to court two years ago. I think everything's fine the way it is. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to dig. You know, I'm just going to thank you for the documentation. You know, that. Exactly. Like, you know, so um, at that rate, that was like summer. And then fast forward to Christmas of 2020 last year, uh, we had gone to Dallas to spend it with my pa my family and my mom. And we went to go get skateboard wheels for my daughter. That was one of the things that I told her I'd get her because for her birthday the year prior, I had painted her a skateboard. I'm a fine art artist. And um uh, she wanted it to be more of like a longboard, so like softer wheels. And I was like, yeah, let's go grab it. And on the way there, she was like, hey, Dad, um, I want to tell you something. And I was like, well, something's up here. You know, my mom had said that something was up. She said, I was playing a game at my mom's house a couple weeks ago, and um, my sisters, you know, her stepdad's um, children, said that he was touching them. And I was like in shock. Um, you know, I haven't really shared this publicly, but just between my friends, my brother, whenever I was a kid, you know, molested me. So I was like, man, you know, this hits home. You know, yeah. I had gone to a counselor, um, you know, and then they called my house to be able to tell my family my dad traveled, but my stepmom was at home, so whenever she got the call, she acted like it never happened because she knew my dad would have left. So I was like, man, it just like, bam, brought it back. And I was like, man, you got to be kidding these fucking generational curses. Like, no way. You know, like, hit me hard. And I'm like, so Callie, I'm going to ask you one question. I just want you to be completely honest with me. Has, has it happened to you? And she told me no. So, like, I got some relief there, you know, but... Her mom had taught her to lie, so I don't know. So uh, fast forward, we come home, and I get a call from CPS beginning of January, and they tell me that they did a visit to her mom's house, and it was due to unsafe gun usage, that the gun was accessible, and it had been said that the gun had been pointed at some people. And I said, okay, like, so has this 
since does this have anything to do with like sexual molestation aspect of things? And she told me no. Well, later to find out the reason why she told me no is because it wasn't towards my daughter. She, for whatever reason, couldn't share that it was for the other children. I don't know if that's like private, private matter. Um, so the next morning it was like 8 a.m. It was like maybe 8.30. Her, my daughter's mom called me and it, she never calls me. So I'm like, hello? And she's like, hey, what's going on? Like acting like we were best friends. It was odd. I'm like, oh, nothing. Just just working. What's up? Is everything okay? Like, is Callie okay? And she's like, yeah, she's at school. And okay. Um, so said, what's what's up? And she said, did you get a call from CPS last night? And kind of like part of me was like, just lie. Tell her no. And I was like, yeah, I did. And she's like, well, what'd they say? I said, something about a gun. You know, like something about being unsafe and that Callie was okay and you know everything went smooth. I didn't mention anything of the molestation to her or anything like that I knew. And she said, well, I just want to let you know I've been thinking a lot and uh, I, I think I'm okay with giving you 50-50. Hmm. Interesting. I'm like, okay. Well, I think we should like revisit this conversation. I, you know, let's set it up for like Friday to touch base. You know, there's some some areas that I'd like to just think about and, you know, present you with to see, you know, if we're on the same page. And she's like, okay, yeah, we can do that. Uh, Friday comes around. Uh, I say like, Hey, can I call you in 30 minutes? I get no text back. I call her, I get no answer. I'm like, okay, this seems to be the typical, you know, play by her mom. And, uh, she then calls me later that night and she says, uh, hey, you know, I, I think, you know, I'm good to go ahead and, you know, talk to you. And I said, okay, cool. How about tomorrow me, you and our daughter meet at a coffee shop? You know, like this, that way she's no longer able to play the middle of appease you and appease me. Like, let's yeah. just the bottom of this. She's like, okay, you know how, you know, she's like, how's like 10 o'clock sound? And I said, cool, let's meet here. Um. At about two hours prior to us meet, I get a text message to say, like, hey, we're not going to be there. And I was crushed. It was like, man, I really felt it in the palm of my hand like things were going to change. Well, come to find out, later that night on Friday, the stepdad had been arrested because he had been brought in for questioning and he had been arrested on three counts uh, or six counts of child molest. And uh, the attempted murder wasn't there yet. Um but she wouldn't tell me what he was arrested for. She just said something happened. Things got went from bad to worse. And I'm like, okay, right on. So I just let it go. I didn't say anything. I made sure I called my daughter like every night because I was terrified what was going on. I had no clue. And comes to the next Wednesday and still nothing. So I said, my daughter got in the car on the way home. We live about 10 minutes from her, her school. And I said, we need, I need to understand what's going on. I'm just scared. I don't even know where you're living. I don't know. I don't know anything. I said, I've gone by your mom's house. I was driving by her mom's house every night to see if they were there and they weren't. Um, and cause they were living in a, a really terrible apartment complex. And, um, she finally said, okay, like, but I said, dad, she said, dad, I'll tell you, but you can't say anything because my mom told me if I if I tell anybody, she's not going to trust me anymore. And she's not going to tell me stuff. And I was just like, my God, like, wait, 
like I had this vision that I feel like what these parents have done to her is if there's this battle, they have literally taken the armor that's way too big for her and put it on her and pushed her in front of them and said, hey, it's time for you to step up and be a grown up. We need you to do these things. And it's just like, no. Absolutely. I mean, her mom has put her in a position that she should never, ever be put in. I mean, she's too young to understand what's going on. And she's forcing her to play favorites, to play, you know, essentially to play both sides of the fence. She's got to, you know, appeal to you and she's got to appeal to her mom while she's under threats from her mom. It's just such total bullshit. It's mental abuse, man. Dude, I, I, I mean, there was a time that whenever she, I just, so I said, like, I remember one time I said, Callie, where, 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 uh, where'd you stay last night? And she said, I, we were at our apartment and you know you had this attitude with it and i was like man she just like no no skip b at all she just lied straight to my face because i had gone by prior and i took a video and she was not there and um i said all right i said okay um i said i, I love you but i'm gonna need you to go to bed and it was like 8 30 on a friday night and she was like well, we normally watch a movie and hang out what do you mean and i was like just go to your room and I walked into her room and uh, cracked the door open. I said, hey, Callie, I just want to let you know. I know you're lying to me. And uh, it really hurts that you're able to do that. And we really need to have a conversation tomorrow. And you need to think about um, why you're lying. And uh, I remember, like, the full concept of it. But it was very calm. It was very just love-driven that, like, hey, I don't, I understand what's going on right now. And it's hard, but I just want to, like, talk to you and let you know that I'm here for you. She walked into the room, and I was listening to, um, is it Renee Brown, I think is her name. She She's really great with just, like, family and just, like, being able to, like, come to kids. And I was painting, and she walked in, and she said, you know, just make sure you're across from them and let them know that you're there for them. And, you know, that, you know, I'm not here to get you in trouble. I just want to let you know that I'm here. And just asked her a couple questions, and within five minutes, she was weeping in my arms, telling me that she had been sleeping in a recliner chair and on the floor in a one-bedroom apartment where he was at on house arrest because her mom was okay with uh, taking her there and wanted to be with him. This was, you know, he had gone to jail, had the house brace or the ankle bracelet on, all this stuff. And she's like, "Does my mom not love me?" And, you know, as good as I am, I told her, like, no, she loves you. She's just confused, you know? Like, I'm not going to be the person that's derogatory to her. So um, at that point, she told me, she's like, I said, well, what's the name of where you're going? She said, something, something. And I just immediately put it into Google, started looking. Well, lo and behold, it wasn't even five minutes from my house. And it was snowing. Oh snowing that day and she was actually going to be going to uh with one of my friends daughters to go um it was like sledding or something you know snow tubing or whatever so they were going to be gone for a while and i pulled into this entrance and she wasn't there and i like didn't see her van and so i pulled around and i realized then as i had pulled in i watched her pull in behind me and i'm like fuck it's up you know the game's up like she's me like she's going to be able to find out a way around it so i kind of stayed calm i freaked out a little bit you know stayed calm i pulled around i backed up i pulled some 007 moves i parked backed into a parking spot i 
jumped out of my truck, locked it, turned the lights off. I jumped in the snow and like bear crawled over to be able to get some video to see like if she was with him. And she was, she was dropping him off with the kids because there was, there was a no contact order that she was supposed to have because the, some of the gun charges were that he was pointing the gun at her. So they weren't even supposed to be around each other. Um, she then pulls out and I like, I'm like running behind this parking garage and like in the snow. And it was just like crazy. I like jumped and dove and tried taking a picture of her, her van. Well, unfortunately the, as I took the picture, there was a tree right in the middle of her, uh, her license plate. So I didn't get it. So I'm like, all right, I just need to get out of here. She's leaving. You know, I go hop in my truck and I pull out a different way. And as I pull out, she actually had like pulled out of the neighborhood and came around so as she was pulling in, I was pulling out and I just like ducked to where I was hoping she wasn't paying attention and she didn't, she had no clue. Didn't see so, uh, didn't see me It's because she's too worried about being a dumbass, I guess. So, um, so then I, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go these next couple days. And I went and she was there. I took video and pictures of her, her vehicle there as well as uh, a video to make sure it was like next to a street sign that way it could be like pinpointed like it wasn't faked but also with an iphone when you take a picture it um stamps it where you take the picture yeah as a geotag it yeah so i had both these aspects um so then we i ended up getting a lawyer um giving them all this evidence and they're like I'm like, can we at least, you know, get my daughter there at the same time? Can we use like the towers to pinpoint your cell phone? Because come to find out, they had both had got burner phones so they could talk to each other. Still, um, my daughter told me this. Uh, it was just messy, you know. And she was continuing to still take her to sleep on the fucking floor and in a windowsill and in a fucking reclining chair. And um, so then came down to preliminary hearing. We couldn't even serve her because we were like, when did they have an expedited? But we couldn't serve her because she was never had her apartment. She was with him. So my lawyers told me not because I ended up getting a new lawyer. Um, ended up dropping him, though, after the preliminary because he charged me like over $40,000 within three months. Supposed to be like the best lawyer in Indianapolis, but he was a shitbag. You know, he just wanted money. Um, so... Dropped that um, after the preliminary, I was awarded. The other attorney agreed to do 50-50 joint legal custody um, to put a stop on child support, which was just like a pause. It doesn't mean that I don't have it anymore. Um, and that the judge then told her, she's like, I highly recommend that you are not taking your child around you know, him, which I still think she is, and she's just telling my daughter to lie. Oh, I'd be willing to bet that she's still doing that. I mean, you know, a no contact order in place and she's still actively, you know, hanging around this dude. Shit. You know, she's not going to change her strike. She's still going to be doing the same shit. Mm -hmm. So with where we're at right now, um, as he's filed for three continuances, I've had to file for one because he was, you know, it, it, his sentencing or whatever wasn't going to be done by that, by that time. Um, we went to mediation. They, or let me back up a little bit. We had a guard, we got a guardian ad litem. The guardian ad litem essentially didn't put anything in the report that I had said because the mom had said that it was all a lie and that his, 
her husband's ex is crazy and she just lies all the time. So then the guardian ad litem just believed her that I was getting all this information from the ex because I found out from one of the reports on my case uh, where her address was. And I put a note in there. I said, hey, contact me. I'm really sorry about what's going on. I just want to let you know I'm here for you if you need anything as well as I need some information. She called me. Um, you know, we had been in conversation. She said that she talked to the guardian ad litem for me. The guardian ad litem totally disregarded it. She didn't even talk to my two other people that she was supposed to talk to. Um, so I had one person that she talked to that she totally discredited and essentially just sided with the mother, said that she thought that I should lose time because my daughter felt like she was more uncomfortable at my house and was more comfortable with her mom. Uh, my daughter, unfortunately, did tell her she, she said that um, she, she, she told her that she felt like she was with me more and that her mom said that she was with me, that I, she was with me three days and she was with her mom two days. So she said she didn't like that schedule because she, her mom told her that she was with me more. So it's kind of hard to believe that somebody that's supposed to understand psychology and manipulation, that it doesn't, it's not straightforward, that when somebody tells a child they can't make it up, that they understand that they're with somebody more than the other person when it's split right in the middle of 50-50. You know, and one thing I want to point out, you were talking about your guardian ad litem experience. You know, guardian ad litems are just as fucking worthless as attorneys. I mean, you know, they're are a functionary of the court, of the family court system, you know, and by and large, they're going to do what the family court system does. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a situation where a guardian ad litem has come into the picture and actually given the father a fair shake or actually acknowledged, right. I guess acknowledging is a better word, acknowledged anything that the father said in regards to the current situation. Guardian ad litems are worthless in my opinion. Literally, like I would say 70% of the things that I presented about my case and, you know, where I stood, she didn't even include in the report, yeah. like at all. And I'm like, wait a minute, how, at this point, I want to know who all you've had mediation or you're, who you've been a guardian ad litem for. And I want to know the statistics of who it's favored yeah. because at rate, it should expose what you're doing here. So in the report, she said that um, the one thing that was good was she said that um, my daughter's mother said that regardless of if he was convicted or not, she was going to stay with him, which is a huge red flag that it could be charged with these things, right? Um, and that she would then change what she recommended is she recommended that uh, we go back to state minimum guidelines with overnight Sundays. So I still only get one day during the week. So her mom has four days every single week, regardless if it's her weekend or not. And uh, I messaged her right off the back. And whenever she sent that report and I said, I, I said, am I confused on why you're not giving me 50-50? And she said, well, it was only one day away from that. And I, I, it just took me back. So at that point, I almost lost faith, you know, that I was like, I was... Um, and was upset with my daughter too, because of the things that she had shared and that she wanted it to go to a different schedule and then told, but no, I do like this. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? You know? Yeah. Um, so at this rate, um, 
I, I had kind of talked to some spiritual people and like, we just kind of like really prayed about it and said like, really Brock, what's going on? We think that, you know, she thinks that she praises this God, but she doesn't realize that she's like almost satanic. Like just, she is totally corrupted and she has no clue that she is totally, like she is taking this child's mind and she is just obliterating it, making her think what's good is good and what's bad is bad because she, she can't, she doesn't understand it herself. So um, then fast forward to um, this guy's three biological children, his son then comes forward and expresses that he's been molested as well. Um, they get starting set up uh, to be able to go to court. Well, somehow his lawyer gets COVID. Um, the the day of trial, and <laughs> yes, what perfect timing. I don't have a test, but I have all the symptoms. So they then extend it for like another two weeks out. Uh, the two weeks comes, and they file for another continuance. It's their third continuance, so they have no more bells to pull. They, you know, in the state of Indiana, you can only file for three. And given the statute that he's now at six counts with the son being brought in, they were going to give him a plea deal of 30 years for eight counts of child molest, and they were not going to include the three counts of attempted murder. The Brock, I don't don't want to interrupt you, but we are just now running out of time. That was 55 minutes. But, you know, I I want to have you back on because I definitely want to hear the rest of this. So what I will do is I will get with you after this recording and we'll figure out another time, um, maybe Monday or whatever, where I can get you on and you can finish up your story. Because I don't want to just leave everybody hanging with with this situation. Because I I can see from a lot of the comments, there's a lot of people that are invested. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, just I guess for um, closure then, uh, our um, full day trial is set for the 15th of this month, but I did um, message the law or the judge and she then countered within the email and asking the other uh, my daughter's mother's lawyer if they objected to the continuance given that I wanted it to con- to continue to see if he's charged and what he's charged with. So it's potential that I'll have gone to court if we don't do it prior to that. But if not, you know, I'm still kind of getting my ducks in order to make sure that I can represent myself well um, and even be able to understand how to legally file a continuance. So at this rate, but yeah, if anybody, if, if anybody can help or where I'm at, you know, I've reached out to multiple lawyers just for advice to be able to, you know, to pay them for their time to be able to write some documents or to be able to get ready Um, but at this rate, you know, I feel like I have enough evidence and documentation to make sure that I can represent myself and I can be able to say the things that I need to say, um, that are happening, but I appreciate it. Good to be able to. Absolutely. And, uh, I'll reach out to you here when we get off and, and we'll talk about some of those things you were just talking about, because I can absolutely help you with that stuff. Uh, it's not a big deal. Uh, so I'll reach out to you on that. But other than that, we're going to have you on again to finish up the rest of your story. Okay? Cool. Alan, you rock, man. Hey, thanks, everybody, for tuning in and, you know, comment. I really appreciate it. And uh, can't wait to be able to tell this uh, happy story one day whenever the uh, the rainbows come out. It's all, all positive. So thank well, you. It'll be good, man. Brother, keep the faith, okay? Absolutely. All right, man. All Later. Brother, take care. We'll talk to you again. All right. Man, those... 
55 minutes always go by so quick. I'm hoping and praying that Instagram ups the live amount of time here sometime soon. But that was Brock England with his situation. Uh, quite the, quite the, quite the story. You know, you know, like I said at the start of this, this is the first time I've ever ran into a situation where the step parent has, you know, molestation and murder charges and all these other crazy things going on. So. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to Brock after this is all done, see if I can provide him support. And uh, we're going to have him on again, possibly after the conclusion of his next court case, so we can kind of get an update for that. But other than that, guys, I want to thank everybody who stopped by. I greatly appreciate it. I will be back next Saturday with another episode of The Father's Truth, hearing another father's story. All right. I am Alan Donovan. You guys have a great rest of the week. Don't forget to set back your clocks tomorrow night. All right, guys? Everybody take care. Much love. Thank you for joining us and listening to The Father's Truth. If you would like to be a guest or know someone with a story that needs to be heard, email Alan Donovan now at thefatherstruth at zohomail.com.